I'll tell you what, I loved what Amy did. I mean, Amy's, that, that was so good. That video, I know we all applauded for that. That video was so powerful. And, and what Amy had to say, I mean, honestly, summed up everything that needed to be said today. I mean, there was very little. I sat there going, you know what? She could have just, I mean, in a moment, summed up what this is all about. I mean, she spoke to all the issues that, that are raging around us and, and what the true peace comes from. And, and so in that, we're, we're going to talk some more about it because it's a big battle. It is a big battle that, we, that we're facing. And, and so we're going to talk some more about all that. Um, I want to say before that, that if you weren't here last week, um, Allie Massey did a great job talking about hope versus hopelessness. She, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it was so good. And you missed out on Quick Trip gift cards potentially. You know, there were some people that got Quick Trip gift cards and, and it, was, it was really good though. One of the things she talked about was, um, you know, this being filled, what are you filled with? And she talked about filling up that Quick Trip drink and, you know, trying to get it as full as possible. And then, and then this whole thing moving over to that counter where the lids are and, and how that drink sloshes around. And, uh, and, and ultimately, the, the, the whole picture was, what are you being filled with? And, 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 the, and the, the reality is that we as followers of Christ should be filled with the hope of Christ. And that when we move around, that that should be swashing around. That, that, that just like that drink that over pour, overflows and pours out on things, that should be our lives. Is that because of our, the hope that has been overflowing in us, the hope of Christ that that should slosh around and get on people. It should, it should slosh around and spill over onto people. And so I hope that last week that that was in, in your mind of, of when you were engaging with people or, or seeing people that you were mindful of the hope of Christ and how that you needed to slosh that around and let that spill over onto people. I hope that you took time to be filled with that. Um, I know that, you know, the, the one struggle is that we all come here and we hear things that we're like, yeah, you know, she was right. She's right, man. I, I, I've been filling up on the wrong things and, and I, I gotta, I gotta do better. I gotta do something differently. And then, and then what happens is we leave here and, and then all of a sudden it's back to life as normal and we do nothing about it. We get got, caught up in the rat race. We get caught up in all the, the chaos of life and we do nothing about it. We hear good things, but we don't apply them. And that's what happens. And that's why you got to constantly make effort to put it in front of you so that you can make changes. That's why you've got to make decisions before you leave here to do something different. That's why you got to go tell somebody here that, hey, this has been a struggle in my life and I need you to hold me accountable to that. Because otherwise you will walk out of here and I promise you, just like me, I have lots of good intentions that are never fulfilled. Never fulfilled because I don't do anything. I don't take action on it. And then I just get caught up in the same routines. And those routines are broken. They don't work. And so, like I said, if you weren't here, you can get on our Gateway website, gwcbs.com, or you can download the Gateway Church app and you can get that podcast. That podcast is something that you should listen to, it's also something you should share. That's something that in this season, you should share that podcast because it is something that people need to hear. It's people, family, friends, because in this Christmas season, I don't know about you, but it is stressful for most people. It gets ugly, ugly. I mean, it brings out some of the worst in people. Um, and, and it's not supposed to be that way, but that's just the way it is. 
Um, like I said, and what Amy said, Advent means coming. Coming with expectation. It's like you're waiting, you're looking for. You know that something's coming. And so you're like, I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for it with expectation. Um, that's what Advent means. This, this week we're on peace. So that, what that means is that coming peace. That peace is coming. Okay? And, and, and this peace, Christ's peace, I don't know about you, but how many of you feel like you're peaceful? Not a lot of hands. Not a lot of hands. I, I don't know about you, but I know that kind of comes and goes. But one of the things about peace is that I think that we don't really understand it. And that's why it's important that we start talking about it today. Because I don't think we really understand peace. We think peace is, well, we're not at war. The United States is not technically at war. And, and you know, Miss America pageants are always like, well, I want the world peace and whatever. That's not the peace that we're talking about. Okay? This peace surpasses all of that. So um, one of the things that we're going to talk about today is that Christ's peace is everlastingly available in him. It's forever available, unending. We're going to talk more about that. The other thing is it's all surpassing. His peace surpasses everything, everything. And shalom, which Amy hit on, shalom means peace, but it's to bring to completion, like complete wholeness and peace. So we're going to talk about those things. Isaiah 9, 6 through 7 is on your bulletin, the inside sheet. It's not going to be on the screen. I'm going to read it because, you know, what we're talking about is the coming peace. Okay, and this is prophecy. Isaiah prophesied the coming peace was Jesus Christ. So way, way, way before Jesus was born, he prophesied the coming of peace. And so in that, we're going to talk about that. For us, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. If you, I'd underline that. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. This is not dependent on man. The zeal of the Lord of hosts is going to make this happen. You know, when it talks about in this that he is called the Prince of Peace, the Prince of Peace is coming. In our case, the Prince of Peace has come. He has come, and he's coming again. And of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. That's why it talks about everlasting. It will never end. His peace will never end. It won't. And so in that, we need to understand that because this has been prophesied long before that the Prince of Peace is coming and his peace is never going to end. And the zeal of the Lord of hosts is one that's going to make it happen. So it is not dependent on man and the failures of man. So in that, peace is coming and this peace, and as we're going to see in Matthew 2 on your sheet, this peace about Herod, when we talk about Herod, and, and we're going to read through some of that real quick, um, partly because here's what's happened and what's fascinating about this is this peace came in the midst of war. Okay, this peace wasn't circumstantial. This peace came in the midst of war. We're going to see that. Um, Matthew 2, 
It says, now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, where is he who has come, been born of the king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them the time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem saying, go and search diligently for the child. When you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose before them went until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Now, when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise and take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt. Remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet out of Egypt I called my son. One of the things I want you to notice in all that story, and we've heard that story because every year at Christmas we go in autopilot on all these Christmas stories. We, we read about this prophecy, and it's like it's no big deal. Do you realize that it's prophecy? What it means is that this guy that was dead when it happened prophesied that this was going to happen, and it did. Exactly. That's power. That is God's power, complete power, and sovereignty over all things that made it happen on time, just like he said. And so in that, we see that this prophecy happened. We also see that in that, just like that called out of Egypt was another prophecy. Again, God ultimately to validate and to prove and to show and to demonstrate his power, he's prophesied through people about what is to come. We are in a society now where we think we're fascinated with revelation in the end times. A lot of us are because we go, there's a lot of signs that are pointing to the end. And so we want to know. We want to know. So we look to the prophecies because the prophecies before have come, have come to pass and have come to uh, be made true. And so then we're looking for signs. We're looking for those things because we see this world at war. And so in that, I want you to understand about war is this. It's just, we're going to talk about Herod here, but ultimately this is bigger than Herod. Herod here wanted to kill the Prince of Peace. Why did Herod want to kill the Prince of Peace? Why? I mean, the Prince of Peace, that guy wasn't, this this little baby is not coming to fight, right? He's the the Prince of Peace. Why Why did Herod want to kill him? Well, it goes back bigger than Herod. 
okay? What I want you to know is that before Adam and Eve, Satan fell, Lucifer fell, and then he was at war with God from then on. And so then in his effort, he goes in and tries to contaminate everything that God had made, defile everything that God had made. So Adam and Eve come into this world and they are what? Living in perfect peace with God, perfect peace. And so what is Satan's desire is to wreck that peace. And so what he does is he comes and he tempts Adam and Eve, he tempts Eve and he says, well, I mean, really, God just didn't want you to know all the things that he knows. Tempted, okay, it didn't seem like a, an act of war at the time, but what, that was what it was. It was an act of war. We watched the Home Alone clip at the beginning and those guys walking into that house had no idea that he had set up all these booby traps to fight because it was war. And so that's what's happened here is that Satan sets up all these booby traps trying to bring war on all of God's people. And that is what he has done from the very beginning, from Adam and Eve on down, act of war. You know, when, when we remember through the line as we go, he's trying to contaminate and bring chaos and, and, and war to all of God's people. So we look at Joseph and we see Joseph who... Satan had, you know, we, we hear Joseph at one point say, what God, what Satan planned for evil, God planned for good, right? Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers. That was like war. That was act of war. I mean, I'm, I'm eliminating you. I, I'm, I don't want you in my presence. That was an act of war. We see all of this happening throughout the Old Testament. It just keeps happening over and over. It gets so bad. Sodom and Gomorrah, God had to smoke that whole place. Why? Because it was so full of chaos and immorality. It was unbelievable. And God's like, they're done. And it got so bad that in the time of Noah, God was like, this is so messed up that I flooded the whole place. Flooded the whole place because of all the, the war that Satan had brought on this place and God's people. God, God says, no, no. I'm, I'm about peace. He's about war. And so in that, that's what he's doing, and that's what he did here at Herod. You know, Satan knew that the coming, the prophecy, that the coming king, the, the prince of peace, was trouble for him. So what does he do? He rises up in Herod, and, and in Herod's insecurities, and in Herod's desire to be in charge and king on his own, he rises up in Herod, and he, and he comes to Herod and makes him has him try to kill a baby, a baby trying to destroy. So that, the, that's the first thing that's noticed here is that God brings peace in the midst of war. You know, that story goes on to, to let us know that Herod ordered that all babies, all male infants, two years old and under, be killed. If that's not an act of war, I don't know what is. If that happened today, I don't care. We'd all have an uprising. That was an act of war. But God brings peace in the midst of that war. Brings peace. So, in all that, we have to understand some things. And, I, you know, globally, like we talked about, this world 
is a mess. We see all the fighting in the Middle East. We see all the chaos and, and, and all the wars that are happening around us. And, and those things are happening globally, but they're also happening with us internally. I don't know about you, but I mean, I, you know, the Bible talks about our flesh and our spirit and how they are at war with one another. They are at war because my spirit in me, with Christ dwelling in me, my flesh has desires that are at war with my spirit. I have all these desires for things that are, that are at war with what God says in my life. So in all that, we have war happening. I don't know about you, but I have been through seasons of time where it just feels like it's nothing but war. Like I don't ever feel peaceful because I've taken my eyes off the Prince of Peace and I've got my eyes on the war that is in front of me. That is what all I can concentrate on because I feel like I'm constantly at war. I don't know if that's you. I don't know if that is you, but that is for many of us. We are at war. Um, There's a quote by C.S. Lewis that's going to be on the screen. It says, What Satan put into the heads of our remote ancestors was the idea that they could be like gods, could set up on their own as if they had created themselves, be their own masters, invent some sort of happiness for themselves outside God, apart from God, and out of, the, out of that hopeless attempt has come nearly all that we call human history. Money, poverty, ambition, war, prostitution, classes, empires, slavery, the long terrible story of man trying to find something other than God which will make them happy. God cannot give us a happiness and a peace apart from himself because it is not there. There is no such thing. So in that, like I said, ultimately the same effort, the same attempt with Adam and Eve was to be like God, right? That's what he said. You will be like God knowing, the diff- knowing that there's good and evil. That, is his, that was his effort with them. That is his effort with you. That is the effort with me. Ultimately, we get caught up on doing everything on our own. We get caught up. We don't need God. Most of us are self-sufficient. We don't really think we need God. And so we sit here and we go through a life really just kind of doing our thing on our own, right? I mean, we work, we pay our bills, we do everything on our own. And that's, what we, that's how we live. We live as if we're our own God. And the only time it really hits the road, the rubber hits the road, is when it's like some health issue that we don't know what to do with or some relational issue that you can't fix that you go, oh, wait, I'm not God. Oh, wait, I need him. I need him. Oh, wait, I have no peace. I'm in total turmoil. And so what we do, even in the midst of that, when we realize, I don't have peace, I'm in turmoil, what we do is we find it in other places. We look trying to find peace in other places. Like C.S. Lewis said, money, ambition, classes, empire, slavery, all of those things. But, you know, the other thing we do is we find it in drugs. We look, at, we look to drugs to bring us peace And really those drugs are war. 
Those drugs are an act of war on your life. They bring no good in your life. It is Satan's act of war in your life. It is you trying to play God on your own and trying to make peace somehow on your own through some substance. You trying to acquire it without God. And God is never going to let that be peaceful because it doesn't come from him. God can't give us peace apart from himself. So we have to quit looking for peace in other places. You're never going to find it. If you're looking for peace in a relationship, you're not going to find it. If you're looking for peace in a substance, you're not going to find it. If you're looking for peace in financial security, you're not going to find it. You can't find peace apart from God himself. There is no such thing. No such thing. Psalm 120 on the screen says, Too long I have had my dwelling among those who hate peace. I am for peace, but when I speak, they are for war. That's what we're surrounded by. We're surrounded by war. And so let's not be naive. Let's not be naive and realize when you recognize that all these desires that you have, that you go, oh, you know what, I want that. That's not, that's war. That's your flesh warring with what God is and what, who God is in your life. It's you trying to substitute or it's at war in the slightest, most subtle way to take you off course. That's what it is. So in, in that, we have to recognize that we can't be naive. Uh, we have to know that it's war. The worst kind of war is one you don't know is happening until it's too late. I'm here to tell you that, the, that we are at war. We have been at war, like Amy said, from the beginning. Why are we at war? Because we are in the, in the span of time, we're enemies of God because of our sin and because of the contamination that had happened in our midst. And so John 14 says this, Jesus talking to all of the, his disciples, he says this, these things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. So in that, what does he mean? This peace that I give you is not like the world gives you. Like I said at the beginning, the everlasting peace is available in him. We're gonna talk about that. Why is that everlasting peace when the coming peace? What does that mean? Is that this is, God provided Jesus Christ to be peace for us. So in that, while we were an enemy of God, is what the Bible says, is that in our sin and in our, our mess, we were an enemy of God until Christ came, until the coming Christ, the Prince of Peace came. And what he did, his sacrifice on that cross, made peace for us who are in him. So how do we have peace that isn't like the world gives peace? Christ himself gave himself up to become peace, to make peace with God. Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. 
So you want peace? It's got to start there. You have peace through a relationship with Jesus Christ. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you are an enemy of God. You are an enemy. And throughout history, we've had all these things happen where people will give money to gods, foreign gods, gods, you know, trying to, or, or in, in what we see, suicide bombers or, or all these people, they will do things to, to try to make their God happy, okay, to try to appease their God. Or if things are going bad or if you're a farmer and your crops are just not growing, you think that God's mad at me. And so then I'm trying to appease God. It's like us. Let's bring it down home. When we are acting out and doing things we aren't supposed to do, we tell God, oh, God, I'll be better. I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm not, God, if you get me out of this mess, I promise I'm never going to do that again. It's our effort to try to make peace with God because we're worried that God's going to be angry with us and that ultimately he's going to send judgment our way bad things our way. And so we spend our, spin our wheels in this effort to try to satisfy him or I'll be a good boy so that I can account for this. The only way you can be at peace with God is through a relationship with Jesus Christ. There is no other way. So all your efforts will fail apart from having a relationship with Christ. Second Corinthians 5 says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. So, again, we see that in Christ, we have a peace God's, Jesus Christ was the peace offering for us. So if you want peace, that's where you got to start. That's where you have to start. Because he's the only way, the only hope you have. The only hope I have. We also realize that his peace, not like the world's, his peace is all surpassing, regardless of circumstance. Regardless of circumstance. Romans 5 says that, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. Just after he said that the peace comes through Christ, it says, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And we're not going to be put to shame. How do you rejoice in your sufferings? James says the same thing. Let us con- consider it pure joy when you face trials. How do you do that? How when you're facing difficulties, how when you're at work and you've got people at work that are at war against you, how can you have peace? Right, Mafalda? How can you have peace? When you're at work or when you're at school and you have people that are warring against you, going against you, how is it that you have peace? When you're in a relationship that is broken, how can you have peace? When you're laying there in a bed, in a hospital bed, had five mini strokes, dad, how do you have peace? Last Sunday, how do you have peace? How do you have peace when you lose a loved one? How do you have peace when you are broke and you don't know what's, when, where the next 
paycheck is going to come? How do you have peace when you lose your job? How do you have peace? Do you have peace? Or do you just get in a total state of chaos and get all wound up and all jacked up because you're like, oh, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? I got to fix this. How am I going to fix this? How am I going to fix this? And you know what? In, in scripture, God says, be still and know that I am God. I am God. I am the Prince of Peace. I will bring peace. And I'm your provider. So what you have to do is the, the, recognize that his peace surpasses whatever you're going to experience. Even the wars that we see. You know what? A lot of the things that were prophesied, those people in that time never saw them. Because what God says is that it surpasses my own little place. And ultimately, if God doesn't give it to me in this time that I'm here on this earth, I know that that is coming. I can trust that. Therefore, I have peace. How can faith have peace without Troy? It's only God. Only God. Surpasses all circumstance. And it is the greatest testimony when you're sitting there and people are looking at you and they go, I don't know how you're doing it. I don't know how you're doing it. Only God can provide it. Only God. And that, what that says to the people around you is she has something different than I do. That's what it says. And I want that. I don't have that. I want that. I want peace. I don't want to go looking for it somewhere else. Philippians 4 tells us not to be anxious about anything, but in everything with prayer and petition, present your request to God. And it says this, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. The word for guard there, <clears throat> it is a word that is often used in a military sense, meaning to stand post and guard against the aggression of an enemy. The peace of God stands guard and keeps worry from corroding our hearts and unworthy thoughts from tearing up our minds. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. God's peace is on guard. Helping people like me who overthink everything and get themselves in a whirlwind of nonsense at times in my mind. God's peace stands guard to keep those corroding thoughts from tearing me up. Colossians 3 says, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Let it rule. Let it make the decisions to which indeed you are called to one body and be thankful. Lastly, shalom. Shalom means peace. It means completeness. It means wholeness. It means I, I have complete peace. Where does that come from? 
That complete peace is only in the understanding that this isn't it for me. Because I don't know about you, I look at the world and I watch the news occasionally and every time I do, I'm like, this place is on fire. It's terrible. I hear the things that are happening to people. I see the disgusting things that people do to people. And it's on fire. And the only thing that I can have peace in, completeness, wholeness, is the shalom peace is that God ultimately prevails. And that in all of this, he wins. And I'm his. And because I'm his, that means that I get to go with him in peace forever, everlasting. So in that, like I said at the beginning, we've got a war going on in the, and it's, sometimes it's just in ourselves, in our own flesh, and we gotta fight. I'm, I'm gonna give you this passage, 2 Corinthians 10, write it down. I tell people this all the time, 2 Corinthians 10, verses three through five, it says this, for though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience until your obedience is complete. So why I tell you that is this, is knowing that your flesh has desires for things that, aren't, that are bringing war on your life. Knowing that you personally are going, I want this. I, I gotta have this. This is, I need this. Whatever it is, you have to bring that and make it obedient to Christ. Because it is war. And you need to assume that all these things that seem subtle and that don't seem like a bad thing are really war. And you need to bring them into submission to what God says. So in that, you can sit here and you can be naive and go, you know what, I'm, I'm parents of a bunch of teenagers and I, you know, I just assume the best. I just assume the best. I'm here to tell you, the world is at war. And they're going hard after them. Hard after them. Looking for new converts. Don't be naive. The weapons we fight with are not of this world. We're not going to go sit here and scream and yell at people. We're not going to do that. Our weapons have divine power to break strongholds. We're going to get down on our knees and we're going to pray with divine power that God is going to break strongholds. Before We're going to pray God's protection over people. We're going to sit there and our loved ones that are caught up in dependence, we're going to sit here and pray diligently that God breaks that stronghold. And for you yourself, you have to recognize everything that's happening in your life is an assault, potential assault on what God wants in your life. So all the busyness, you know, it's like Christmas. We're celebrating the coming of Christ. We're celebrating baby Jesus, right? Baby Jesus. And look at the chaos that he has made it. It is now a grab for gifts and a grab for 
me, 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 me. It started off with, oh, I want to be giving and nice and I want to be Christ-like and, and I want to give to people. And now what it's become is a free-for-all. And we spin our wheels and spend our time chasing something, expectations that are not of God. Trying to satisfy the fleshly wants of the people we love. So in that, we have to fight for peace. Let peace rule. Take time, like Amy said early, and be still. I mean, literally, every day, sit there and have, a, have moment, time, where you go, I'm just going to sit here and be still and listen to what God might say. I promise you, it's going to be revealing. It's going to have an impact on you. So, as the band's coming back up, I'll leave you with this. Are you going to be, just like every other week we talk about, where you walk out of here and you go, yeah, you know, I, 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 yeah, that, that was a good point. And then you leave and don't do anything with it. Is that going to be you this week? Or are you going to walk out of here and go, you know what, no, I'm going to fight for peace. And I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to evaluate it and put it through the filter of 2 Corinthians 10. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make it obedient to Christ. Is this desire I have, does it align with what God wants in my life? Or is it just one more thing that's taking me away? Is it one more thing that's leading me astray? Don't just listen and be hearers. Do something about it. Seek peace and let it rule so that you can be in complete wholeness with God. Let's pray. God, thanks for your love. Thanks for your peace. Thanks that your peace is not like the world's. God, thanks that your peace is something that, that we can't have without you. And so it's special. It is special. It is a special gift to the ones you love. It is a special gift that you gave us and your son that made peace with you and this peace that, that goes beyond that, the, this peace that helps us in our momentary trials and the wars that happen around us. God, that we have peace. God, I pray that our peace would be so loud. Our actions, our, our visible peace would be something that people are drawn to, that people go, I don't have that, I want that. God, I, I pray that that peace would just be evidence of a changed life, evidence of a life in submission to what you want and your desires. God, I pray that it's evidence that I'm not trying to be of my own God. I'm trying to live the way you want. God, let that be said of me. Let, be said of, let that be said of everyone here. God, we love you and pray in your name.